0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: It's debate night in America, but you know what? Let's not talk about the debates. Let's talk to Mark Baser about the return of the interview show. How about that? Mark, are you there? I am. Thanks for for having me.
0: Um, on debate night, on debate day, I
1: guess. Debate day, yeah. yeah. Well, when this airs, when this drops, uh, it'll be in the middle of the debate, and Joe Biden will be just rocking and socking, stunning America by being so quick on his feet. Uh, so, I'm not. I can't. I can't tune in. I can't do it. All right, we'll get to that. That's on my list of things <laughs> to discuss right. with the great Mark Baser. Uh, but the big news uh, in terms of Mark Baser's life is that his hideout show is returning. His hideout show is returning. Uh, so, Mark, give folks kind the of, school. Kind of. Okay. So
0: we do, You as, as you know, Ben, we do, and you've been on it, we do a live show at the hideout once a month. And then a few years ago, we also started doing that show, filming it at the hideout for... WTTW Channel 11, and obviously the hideout is not open, so it's not. There's no change there, but the hideout has launched a online platform, and we did a couple of virtual shows from my house, which was fine in April. And now we've gotten the opportunity to go into the hideout, and uh, nobody's there, just me and my two-person crew, and we film me, and I'm talking to to a guest who's not there, who's remote. So we're socially distanced by thousands of feet. And um, it's good, I mean, it's, it works. It's, it's actually the same thing that everybody else is doing, right? So it's not like, <laughs> I don't feel, I feel bad because it's not what it was, but I also feel that's what we've got. That's what we've got right now. And tonight we're doing, we're, we're launching, <coughs> excuse me, we're launching it on the Hideouts site. It's, uh, you go to just hideoutchicago.com and uh, we have, our as our first guest, we have Rick Pearlstein, the historian and the author, who's written now four books, all of which I think add up to about 30,000 pages. And wow. um, the new one is called Reaganland, and it's great. It's, it's it, He's traced, basically, the, the rise of the new right, the, the right-wing, the conservative party, the Republican party, from Goldwater through to Reagan winning in 1980. And so this last book, Reaganland, Takes us from 1976 to 1980, and, and Reagan, even though it's called Reagan Land, is is he's not the. I mean, he's he's it's he's one of those movies where he's the star or book where he's the star, but he's not in it for a lot of it. It's kind of it's really sh- it's really showing. He compares it to an iceberg. So you had what was going on at the top of an iceberg with the mainstream Republican Party and what the Democrats and the media and other Republicans saw, but then you had this groundswell that was building underneath. Uh, and, and that's what he really traces, the rise of evangelical Christianity getting involved with politics, the anti-ERA movement, anti-homosexuality, uh, the beginning of supply-side economics. And then he brings in Carter and he brings in Reagan and he brings in all the, the, the fun, fun and muck that happened during the, yeah. the late 70s.
1: Uh, well, all right, we'll get into that in a little while, but let's just talk a little bit about uh, the dynamics of your show, uh, the interview show with Mark Baser. I always called it the Mark Baser show. That's my thing. I'll take i I it. never, I'll take never it. get the, the name right. I did that yeah. with Kenny Davis and uh, Chicago Newsroom. It was always the Ken Davis show. Uh, so, I'll tell a story,
0: though, real quick. We call it the interview show, and then mm-hmm. I went, I wanted to get it, because we were going on TV, I wanted to get it trademarked. And I did. I, I I was able to get a trademark, but it wasn't. It took a long time because it's such a it's such a open name. Like why are why are you why do you have the right to call yourself the Interview <laughs> Show? But I proved it. I proved it to the government in the United States.
1: You proved what? That there was no other show with that name?
0: That I had a... Well, it, it's not that there might be smaller other shows. There was nobody else who had, who had established a, a trademark for it. And I had established enough of a precedent of of using it and using it in a public way that
1: that I was able to get it. All right, do but that's good to know. I mean, yeah. like if, if Howard Stern wants to use it, he'll have to come to you. That's right. right. That's pay right. up. Uh, but it was a great dynamic at the hideout. Uh, the, the back yeah, room that's, of the all hideout was, that's all gone. That's all gone. That great dynamic is all gone. Well, I mean, what, so talk Gosh. about doing the show at the hideout in front of a room filled with people, enthusiastic Yeah. Uh, Interview show fans and doing it now.
0: Yeah. Just fans, you know, taking off their shirts, waving. (laughs) Um, It's great. I mean, everybody, if you, you know, whether you're going to the hideout to see my show, your show, music show, comedy show, just going to drink, like it's the greatest, it's my favorite bar. So it's, and then having a crowd of people there to, you know, watch you and watch m- me be on stage, talk to other people. It's it's I've done it for since nineteen since two thousand and eight, uh, and it's 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 amazing. It's a it's it's like I don't think that I was talking about this with a friend the other day. I don't think it, I ever took the hideout for granted. I always felt like this this feels like it could it's it feels a little unreal in so in certain ways, um, and so I always appreciated it. But now more than ever, I realize that of needed that. I needed that, whether I was going to see your show or or do a show, like I needed that monthly pump of hideout in me. Um, and now it's, you know, so, but, but I will say, so we shot the show now and it's, there's no crowd and it's, and it's not, it's everything about it. It's I, some part of me questions why I'm doing it. Like part of me questions, what's, what's the point? I'm not, I'm not getting that community. I'm not getting that, uh, I think I'm a better interviewer on stage when there's people and you're fully alive and you're fully in the moment. Um, and then I think there's a million people who have podcasts. Amount, you know, you're, you're doing one. There's a, but we're two people out of 8,000 people who are doing podcasts or interview shows. You can turn on CNN. So what's different about what I'm doing right now, but I like doing it and it's still at the hideout. So I get to go to the hideout and I get to be there with just two of my friends who are on, who are our small little crew and, we
1: get to steal their whiskey and it's that's, that's, that's fun <laughs> so ultimately uh, why are you doing it because
0: well I mean I'm doing it because I got good guests that I was excited about um, I'm doing it because I like I, the, I, there is the creative aspect of putting it on either the hideout platform or also it's going to be on TTW and and I'm, I'm, I'm lonely
1: am <laughs> lonely. <laughs> Uh, uh, some guys will do anything for company. Yeah, I, I mean, I,
0: <laughs> I can only go out record shopping with Mick Dumkey We'll out- get into that. I need their outlets. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I also need something creative to do, right? You know, I mean, I, I want to be. I, it's funny. I, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but we were shoot. We shot a bunch of stuff on Sunday, and. Up, the whole week before it, I was kind of like, "Why am I doing? Why am I doing it? Should I be doing it?" And then I get there on Sunday, and I am in the best mood about it. I just love it. I love doing it, even though it's everything that I just said it's not anymore. For or for right now, it's not. It still was. Here I am. I'm here in the hideout. I'm doing this. This this show. This is this is fun. This is special. So, I so. all
1: right. Talk about Rick <laughs> Perlstein uh, and uh, Reagan. This is before your time. You're a young guy, so were you aware of the Reagan years at all, or you were? Um,
0: can I can I interrupt just to say, Giolito on the White Sox just gave up a perfect game in the seventh inning. Uh, wow! Breaking news. Breaking, which won't be breaking
1: news when it airs.
0: But. Are they ahead? They're ahead, three nothing. But All he, right, he had a perfect game going. Wow, uh,
1: yeah. he gave it up with a single, yeah. Yeah, good. oh, so it's not even a no hitter anymore. No, no, no hitter's gone too, yeah. Um, okay, take him out, let's get the relief pitchers and let's on right, yeah. this game. Uh, uh, anyway,
0: yeah. So, Rick, Rick Pearlstein, Rick is, I mean, do you, Rick is great. Rick is, uh, he's got the g- interesting story. When he, it must be, it must be over 10 years ago, he came out with a book about Goldwater and he became, he was, he was, he. He was a progressive, but he became very much the favorite of conservatives. They loved the book. Yeah. And over time, that has
1: uh, eroded. <laughs> There's the brown line. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, life goes on, Mark. Yeah.
0: And then he's got, uh, he came out with Reagan Land. <laughs> yes. Not Reagan Land. He came out with Nixon Land. And then yeah. he came out with his second book, The Invisible, a uh, third book, The Invisible Bridge. And then now Reagan Land. And, and we, we, you know, we, we uh, he's been on the show before. And no, but do
1: you have memories of Reagan?
0: Oh, do I have Yeah, so Reagan's the first president that I remember as a as a person who had who who knew that there was a world outside of my f- house. Um, I guess I knew Carter a little bit. I remember the election. So that's my maybe my first political memory is the 1980 election. How old were you? I was seven. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> or I was six. I guess I was six, about to be
1: seven. So you don't really remember the election? Who are you kidding?
0: I, remember, I don't remember, like, following it. I remember walking into a room and seeing the TV and the, you know, this is what's going on
1: kind of thing. All right, Mark Baser, for 10 trivia points. <laughs> yeah. Who were the two vice presidential candidates in the 1980 presidential election? Don't look it up on your phone.
0: In the 1980 presidential election? Yes, you your mean, first presidential. George, George Bush and Mondale? Very good. I just read a 900-page book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do with how old I was at the time.
1: <laughs> he just, oh, my God, if you had forgotten that detail. Yeah. Oh, the memory's slipping. You're right up there with uh, Trump and Biden. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Uh, I, don't, nah, I, I wasn't following the vice presidential debates in 1979
1: or whatever it was, but... <laughs> That's always the trick question, like who is the the running mate? A lot of people slip on that one.
0: There was a period where they were switching in and out, right? Like Agnew wasn't; he didn't stay. And then you know, like there was, it wasn't always clean. And then you also had that that time, which was fast. You still, it was like the end of the time when at the convention, you kind of didn't know what was going to happen. Yes.
1: Which is yes, interesting. I miss those days. Uh, but
0: this was my. But what was what to go back to your question? What was interesting mm-hmm. to me about reading this book was, I don't remember it. I don't remember really anything that happened from 1976 to 1980. But I lived through it, so that was fascinating for to me. Just to say, oh my god! So I was when I was three and was carrying around my stuffed animal and had no worries in the world other than where my stuffed animal was or needing more milk or whatever it was like, there was the, all this crazy stuff was going on. And my parents were, were, were immersed in it. You know, not, not like they didn't have jobs in government, but just as people who were citizens, they were immersed in it.
1: Well, the the interesting thing about Reagan, I lived through those years uh, and uh, I have very uh, profound memories just of Ronald Reagan, I I was not a fan of his, obviously. Um, right. But it's it's strange how culturally he's emerged, uh, and like I see it depicted, just bits and pieces. I don't know how much of this you watch, but Fargo, the TV show Fargo. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that show, but Reagan yeah. was a character in the backdrop of I think the second season. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, so Reagan's sort of wandering through uh, the. Um, the country at the time of uh, giving speeches and it's this the notion that is set up about ronald uh, reagan uh is that he he tapped into a yearning that america had uh for a sense of itself that probably was never true yeah but it, it's one that it can believe in uh and in some ways it's more soothing than uh what donald trump does because it's like you could believe that the country was like a worthwhile uh, city on a, experiment you know, like a city on a hill the, or whatever, right? It's city, yeah. Whereas with Donald Trump, it's just like like two armies going at it. You know what I'm saying? And well, so me,
0: like for me, the essential question I had reading the book and then you know talking to Rick is what is is Trump the inevitable result of of the Republican. Movement that started maybe with Goldwater but really got into overdrive with Reagan or is he a complete break from that? And, you know, of course the answer is both. But, um, I mean, Reagan had Make America Great, right? That was his yeah. slogan first. So, like, Trump tried to take it but it wasn't, it, wasn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound so sunny when Trump says it. <laughs>
1: So uh, so you don't have... When's your first, like, political memory? It's not the Reagan years, like, as a participant. I definitely...
0: Well, okay, well, participant, I mean, I remember the hostage crisis. I, Reagan was the president of my childhood. Like, if I look back at, you know, say, Nancy Reagan being on different strokes, right, and telling Arnold and Dudley not to do yeah. drugs, like, that's, like, Reagan and, and born, you know... I know you're going to laugh now, but "Born in the USA" when Reagan thought "Born in the USA" by Springsteen was his was like a rallying cry for America rather than like a, a angry lament about Vietnam. Like I remember that. Um, so Reagan, like, I mean, it's it's. I always think about that because my I have kids right now. I've got a 15 year old and a 10 year old, and their childhood god forbid will be four more years but four of their years is trump like that is shaping their something about that is shaping their childhood and and reagan shaped i don't mean he is a person but the reagan era shaped my childhood all
1: right let's talk about the uh the presidents that's uh shaping your uh children's childhood donald trump yeah uh and uh Never quite seen anything quite like the New York Times expose of his taxes, Mark. I thought it was great. I thought it was yeah. a great, great,
0: like really well-reported and written
1: piece. or pieces. What did you, what'd you learn?
0: I mean, I don't know that I... Did you learn anything or were things confirmed? I mean, one thing that I learned, I guess, if you wanted to get into details rather than macro things it, like the the I thought the Ivanka thing was very interesting that he's been you know that he paid her as a consultant while she was on also on his payroll part of the company a big part of his company or companies or how many ever illegitimate or legitimate companies he has and that that was in part to evade taxes but that to me seemed like a a, a, a new thing in there. Um, the idea that he was a failure, like that, which is a huge part yeah. of it, or that's not new, right? That was not something. That, the idea that he evaded taxes, it's not new either. It was just the detail with which they provided it. I guess I left wondering this, and I guess the answer again is both. But so, are we saying that he's a failure as a businessman, or that he's a tax cheat? And I and I guess the answer is 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 both. Um, I'll tell you, I was I immediately thought this is a very insignificant story, but I was doing my taxes last year. <clears throat> I was with my accountant. I've had this accountant for several years, and I, I started using her because with the interview show, I just couldn't. It was it was a little too complicated for me to do on my own. So I started going to this woman, and she's really helped me out with what what is legitimate and what's not legitimate. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to cheat, but I also want to, you know, write off what is legitimately able to write off. So last year the show, the show has never been a real moneymaker, but last year the show barely, I think it just, the money was low, was way down. And um, I was writing off a bunch of things that I normally write off and that are totally legitimate expenses like i had an author on so i bought the book that kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh and at the end of it she said well with all of these deductions you are going to be so below you're going to be that that i would advise you not taking all these deductions and i was i was i was like why why not this is great and she said because the irs might start to view what you do as a as a hobby which you know is I mean I have another job and the IRS could say well what are you you're not making money you're just just fooling around you can't write any of this stuff off to me the, the show is not a hobby the show is a you know one of the other things I do a freelance work project um but I listened to her and I, I didn't take those deductions. So then when I read that, you know, Trump <laughs> 70,000 for his hair and that he could get away with it. I mean, I know the IRS has been after, him, but yeah. what, but, but I was talking about a thousand dollars, like not the amount of money that he's talking about. So what I, what did I learn? I guess it's, you know, if I, if I were not, if I were less naive, I guess I would know that this is the billionaires do this kind of stuff all the time, but, but it was a little opening that, that. Somebody could actually hand those returns into the IRS and not have the IRS immediately say, whoa, whoa, we're coming over and talking about this. Like, oh yeah. That, not
1: only that, they gave him a $72 million refund. What?
0: Right, right. And then <laughs> now they're after it and he might owe, what, a hundred million because of that or something. Yeah. But, but still, like, right, that's right. They issued, somebody issued that refund. Like, how does that
1: happen? I, I think the lesson you should have learned from the expose is you need a new accountant. Uh, but, uh, because... <laughs> right, 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 You right. know, no, just kidding. That's not just a bad joke. Uh, you wrote something very funny on your tu- uh, your Twitter page. You wrote, in retrospect, uh, you can really, uh, you can't really blame Trump for not wanting to release his tax returns. Yeah, right, that... right,
0: right. Now I see now, why, everybody knows why. But people know that, right? Why, anyways, right? If, if you, what did somebody say? Like all these things about the election with Trump, right? About trying to sow. Uh, doubt in people's mind about the legitimacy of the uh, election. He wouldn't be doing that if he thought he was going to win. Right. Like he would be like, this is the most legitimate election. I am presiding over a perfect election. My I have made sure before when Obama did elections, they were imperfect. But now that I'm president, the elections (laughs) are totally perfect. Yeah. But he's not doing that because he's losing. So you knew everybody knew why he wasn't revealing his tax
1: returns well actually i still don't know ultimately why he didn't i i mean everything we learned from this uh new york times expose is that he's a failed businessman so we kind of suspected that yeah uh that there's a strong suggestion that there may be fraud involved in all this when all is said and done. There's so many moving parts. It's hard to say for certain. So he could be concealing that. But the other point that's many of the guests on my show uh, who come on, they utterly despise Donald Trump, Mark, in a way that's really uh, almost impressive is that they f- still feel that there's something concealed that you know the what the, and the New York Times has, has said this. And they have these sentences. that go, "We don't know everything." Yeah, you know, we don't know the, about the Russia. We, we don't right. have anything to add there. So well, the one thing we
0: don't know, right? We don't know. <laughs> uh, we know a little, but how much is is he in the position he's in now? In you know, dependent on does he owe money to people that he would then grant favors to yeah. get out of that? Right. That's the really where, but we knew you know, that. We also knew that we knew, we knew all that stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm not, dis- I'm not dismissing the New York times. Thing. I thought it was brilliant, but, but and, and necessary. And, and, but and my friends and I were debating whether it will have any effect. You know, we're in this bubble where, where it, it, it we're like, yeah, see, we got them. You know? no. Like one of my friends emailed, gotcha. <laughs> and then everybody else piled on him and said, they don't have anything. This is nobody's, They're not going to believe them. They're not going to believe the New York Times, Trump. Well,
1: first, first of all, your your friend, as much as I appreciate the gotcha, I, I agree with the gotcha to a certain degree. It, the reality is this, and you know it and I know it, uh, the MAGA America is not going to deviate at all. At all. We know that. What Trump said was true. I could kill somebody and they still would vote for me. So we know that. All right, uh, no matter any the, the rape trial against him, uh, the the tape of him saying he grabbed women by the pussy, uh, the impeachment, you know, calling American war heroes suckers and losers. <laughs> I mean, it just piles up. They don't yeah. care. They're no. going with them. He's no. their guy that yeah. you, you need Freud to fully understand what's going on. I, I won't pretend to. But I do believe that um, it adds an element of desperation, Mark, to this election for Donald Trump. Because if he doesn't win, he could go to jail. That's true. That's true. You know, and so uh, if if he wins, Barr will be protecting him at the Justice Department. He'll be holding those lawyers at bay. But if Donald Trump loses this election, it's pretty obvious to me that those lawyers will be unleashed. Yeah. You know, and... yeah, so sure. when your friend said "gotcha," he was—I think he was right, you know—and and now it's in the hands of America. Okay, voters. In the hands of America. Let me ask you a question. This was something that Rick
0: Pearlstein was discussing on Twitter the other day, and you know Reagan better than I do. Do you think Reagan, if he were alive today, would vote for Trump?
1: Ah, uh, wow. Um, and uh, yes. I do believe that Ronald Reagan uh, would vote for Trump. And the thing is, is that Ronald Reagan, for the last four years of his office, uh, of his um, tenure, was losing it. Right. And uh, he was, I mean, we, we we joke all the time about our two candidates having dementia, Biden and Trump, that's a standard joke on the show. But, uh, Mark, uh, 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 Reagan was really losing it. And so I have to go back in time to the 70s and think about the Ronald Reagan that I f- first uh, learned of f- before he was the president, before he started to lose it. And he's so much like Trump in my eyes. Hmm, he's They're both salesmen. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I'm, I uh, minimize Trump's uh, television abilities. One of the things that I learned from the New York Times um, expose is how connected to television he really is, and it's it's been an eye opening experience for me because I start thinking about it. I and, had no idea the
0: show, this sounds out uh,
1: this is how out of it
0: I am. I did not know the show. I can't believe how much money that show made. You yeah.
1: know, isn't that amazing? Four hundred million or something like that. Trump himself made. Yeah uh so they're both tv hucksters and uh they're selling an image of america to the voters Uh, trump's is that like this nightmarish apocalypse that only he could save us from whereas ronald reagan was trying to lead us to a promised land that probably never even existed so i think he would vote for him uh what do you what do you think
0: I think he would, I think, at the, if, and that's part because we see that it's party over everything else. I mean, maybe it was a little bit different back then. Um, Rick pointed out, Pearlstein pointed out there are a few things that Reagan was very different uh, about. He, he was very anti, he, he had very keen memories, whether he you know, of, of World War II and fighting fascism, so he might have not liked the dictator aspects of, of Trump. Reagan was also pro immigrant in a way that Trump obviously is not. Um, But I think he, I think he, I, I, my, my, I agree with you. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention was, and you you just reminded me of this, is that, you know, one of the takeaways from the New York Times piece is that Reagan, uh, sorry, that Trump is this great failure, business failure, and so everybody's joking about what a failure he is. But another one of my friends, which I've also thought for a while is, He's like, how can he be a failure? He's the president of the United States. Like, he doesn't like him. But Trump, like you said, great on TV, uh, can lead these crowds. Like, he's not a failure. Like, you can think anything you want about him, and I do, but, but failure is maybe not the word for
1: him. I, I agree. He's not a successful businessman. But even that... He he is successful in that he got the United States taxpayers to subsidize him. Yeah, I mean, again, so it's pretty it's successful. Not, somebody sent him seventy million dollars. Yeah, nobody sent me that. Yeah, the IRS sent him seventy three million dollars. Yeah. Now they want their money back. Good luck getting that money back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll say something else about Reagan and Trump that I why why Reagan would vote for him. Uh, number one, Ronald Reagan had an aversion to taxes and uh, the anti tax movement. Uh, right. He's part and parcel of, and so he would probably applaud Trump for dodging the tax man. And uh, well, that's it,
0: the risk here with some voters, right? That they'll see that and say, "It was a good. Hey, you did well. You did well, buddy."
1: Like, well, that's part of the forty. Uh, again, that's part of the forty-five percent of the cult. They're like, yeah. "Oh, I don't believe in taxes. I don't know how they're going to fund government." That's they live in their little delusional world, Mark. But yes, you're right. That'll that'll win them over. The other thing is, I like, get your thoughts on this. I don't, despite. Oh, despite the fact that both Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump were propped up to a large degree by the evangelical community that is vociferously opposed to abortion. I personally do not believe that either Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan had any kind of aversion to abortion uh, at all. It was purely a uh, pragmatic political decision that they hitched their wagon to that movement and they wrote it to the presidency, and I think Trump laughs at the evangelicals who love him just because. There's a story
0: in the in the Atlantic today, I think, about that about about him saying ugly things about religious people. I mean, <laughs> it's so. But the, the evangelicals aren't dumb either, right? They've ma- they make that
1: deal. They might know that too. Yes. And I'll tell you, uh, so if it came out tomorrow, think of all the, if people go, it's, nothing could beat Trump. He's like the Frankenstein monster, all these revelations and he still keeps going. If it came out tomorrow that Donald Trump personally paid for uh, women to have abortions, the evangelicals will say, so what? So what? He's putting uh, Judge Barrett on the court and she's gonna outlaw abortion. That's right. So right. yeah, very cynical move. So I, I think both of them are are two in their own way, cynical politicians. Uh, I, mean, are, I mean, I
0: mean, I I'm much I I do like Joe Biden, but Joe Biden has a cynical politician side to him as well. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like that's politics and some, there's very few that, I mean, Bernie Sanders probably doesn't actually, (laughs) like there's very few people politicians who don't have a cynical or pragmatic or deal making or whatever you want to call it.
1: See, I wouldn't call, I don't know if it's cynical with, um, uh, Biden. What do you what do you call the cynical side of Joe Biden? Well, Biden.
0: I mean, Biden seems to be, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but he seems to be somebody who has always been right in the middle of the Democratic Party. So what is does that mean he doesn't have his own convictions does that mean he gets more progressive as time goes on because he is personally changing or does that mean he reads the tea leaves and see what he needs to survive which would be cynical Mm
1: -hmm. yeah uh i see your point and i do not know the answer i have no idea what a joe biden presidency will be like uh I, i joe biden has never been in a position. Of authority, you know, he's never been like a governor or a mayor. We right. can see, you know, how when he has all the authority, how he how he's going to deal with it. Uh, he's always had to work in a body of other of peers, so I have no idea what a, a Joe Biden will will he tell the left wing of the Democratic Party to shut up and fall in line? Will he suddenly expose his inner FDR and move left? I have I have no idea. I, just, I mean, a lot
0: will depend on who wins the Senate, right? I mean, that will be yeah. the determining factor in what is presidency looks like I think but. so are you going to watch the debate tonight no 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 I can't I can't do it I just I don't know why I would right I've already been on your show so I don't have to talk about it <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. I don't have to uh, I don't you know. have to opine like, I'll see the clips, right? Like, I'll see those things. You can't avoid those. I'll get on Twitter and look at that. But what, why, why is anybody who, if we know who we're voting for, yeah, yeah, that's true. What, is, what is the point? Why not watch a great movie?
1: Uh, yeah, or a great sporting event. Yeah, uh, baseball, play
0: baseball playoffs are going right now.
1: I'll watch that. All right. Uh, since we're talking sports. Uh, we're going to uh, move to basketball. Your beloved Celtics yep. did not uh, do so well. You had another great tweet, which brought a little smile to me. Uh, it said, let's go Celtics and New York Times. <laughs> you were rooting for the New York Times. <laughs>
0: it came out the day the Celtics were playing. I was watching. I was reading one and looking, watching the game. And yeah, uh, but the Celtics didn't do it. But those guys are so young. Those Celtics are so young. They're, You know, what's what's. Uh, 23 and 22 and 24 years old, Tatum is what, 23 and Brown is 22, or maybe I've got that backwards, and they should be good for a while, knock on wood. And I think Ainge has Danny Ainge, the GM, has like three number one picks coming up. So,
1: no, it's it's yeah. uh, But the
0: Bulls, the Bulls, you know, they got a little of excitement going on too. With,
1: my with my beloved coach. Chicago Bulls. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, uh, we did a, an interview uh, the other day with Joe Colley, who is the sometimes beat writer covers the Bulls. He comes on the show every now and then. We uh, talk Bulls basketball. From the last time on the show, he it, it was very. Uh, a downer interview, you know, for my part. The Bulls just – there was no hope whatsoever for the Chicago Bulls. And now it's like, oh, my God, they got rid of Foreman. You know what I mean? They got rid of Boylan. Just getting rid of those guys Yeah, uh, is an exciting thing. I mean,
0: I've also heard that they're building up their – and I know nothing about this, but they're building up their, They're do they're, they're starting to put more effort into bringing up the young players in a way that develops them, as opposed to just throwing them out there.
1: Well, yeah. we we shall see. The next yeah. year, we shall see. All right, I'm going to close with this. Yeah, uh, our mutual friend Mick Dunkey Yeah, uh, comes on the show, and we always try to do something a little different with because Mick, Mick and I are two political junkies. Uh, we we've done a lot of articles together about Chicago politics, but. When Mick comes on the show, we try to show the... uh, do other things. So, like, we did a whole uh, show on Bob Dylan. Uh, We did a show on football. So, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a show about Bruce Springsteen, and we're gonna bring you on as well, because uh, you are an obsessive Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, Mick tells me. So, why the love for Springsteen?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, Mick is as well. So, I don't want Mick to to. to I not that there's anything to be ashamed of. I think I think there's a couple of things. I mean, I I hate to. It's hard to analyze the things you love a lot, like rock music. Like it sometimes it takes the fun out of it. So, I don't want to. And there's been enough, you know, people writing books and books about Bruce Springsteen, but. I think he's got both elements to him. He has this—I don't know if you read his memoir—but he's just a wonderful, like, writer, a wonderful prose writer and lyricist, which I, which I appreciate. And I can't, on the one hand, relate to specifics of him growing up or specifics of the, the working man tales that he tells. That you know, I grew up in a in a white collar house, but on the other hand, there's just take an album like "Darkness on the Edge of Town," where you know, just that push and pull between chasing your dreams or, or just pushing it all away, giving it up. And um, I think there's just like this, there's a romanticism in his lyrics and a, and a realism at the same time that I find compelling. And I just, I also just love, I just love the music. Um, I'll tell you one <laughs> funny story, I think. Uh, so Mick and I met in college and we were the only two people to go to Rose Records at midnight on Monday night. At that time, albums came out on Tuesday. And we were the only two people to go and line up to get both Lucky Town and Human Touch, which are <laughs> two records that he came out in within, I think, 92. And that, you know, they they were at the time he was he was past, you know, right? He and he hadn't had his resurgence either. Like he's had a late a very late, late career resurgence. And so these albums are probably not considered his finest. And, and Human Touch is, they came out the same day. They were two single albums that came out the same day. And the story was that he wrote Human Touch and then had it ready. And then in a burst of inspiration, wrote Lucky Town and decided to put them both out. And what might have happened, I don't, although I can't say for sure, is that he looked at Human Touch or listened to it and realized it's not very good. Like there's a few songs on it that are good, but it's not really good. And then Lucky Town is a, is a better album. It's, it's not up there with his greats, but it is a better album. Anyway, so Mick and I both were the like two people, maybe there was another person, who got there at midnight to get our CD copies of, of Lucky Town and Human Touch. Fast forward how many years later, and Mick and I buy and go off, and we, we buy, he got me into it buying vinyl, buying records again. And uh, obviously that's a big thing now. And... There's a reissue of Lucky Town, and we saw at Reckless Records that there were two copies, used copies, of the reissue for not that... Chief of not that expensive of a price. So Mick and I made our journey together back to, back to the record store to buy our second copy of Lucky Town in our lives together. Wow.
1: Did it once in the nineties and then you did it 20 yeah. years later. Yeah. Well, that's why, uh, I'm looking so forward to this. there's your obsessive. That's yeah. You're obsessive. obsessive. We'll do a whole Bruce Spring. Th- uh, you'll have to deal with me. I'm sort of, uh, a skeptic about Bruce Springsteen, but I, I have my own. Well, just don't have Jim DeRogatis on too, because he hates him. Okay, he that's hates? ridiculous. That, no, that's just ridiculous. I mean, let's just, it's like, that's just ridiculous. I, I can't even get the word. I mean, hate. I love I, 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 I love Jim DeRogatis. I love his writing. I love his
0: uh, sound opinions. I love it. But every f- five shows,
1: there's a dig at Springsteen, and I just go. <laughs> 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 now, nah, come on, man. Come on, Jimmy D. Come on, Jimmy D. All right, just get out, get over that. All right, I get
0: it. I mean, their cheese bracing can be can be cheesy. I get it. You know.
1: Uh, anyway, someone who's not cheesy is Mark Baser, and uh, the interview show with Mark Baser will return to WTTW uh, this Sunday, right? This Sunday, eleven through?
0: p.m. And then tonight, Tuesday, after the de- or before the debate, I'm sorry, at seven p.m. If this goes up before then, you can go to the hideout site and watch uh a a long form interview with rick perlstein
1: all right when we do the interview with you and mick dumpke extolling the virtues of bruce springsteen we'll send it to mr de We'll send it to him (laughs) i'm gonna have to study up then i want i don't want to be dumb all right very good that's mark baser i'm ben jarowski take care everybody all right thanks ben thanks dennis